0: Financial planning podcast with a down-to-earth vibe even Sasquatch would go to Disneyland for. I am R. Brandon Long, and this is Through the Pines. (music) On this seventh episode of Through the Pines, we discuss how much debt is too much debt. Is that really a thing? Here today with me is Rex Baxter and Brandon Smith. We're going to discuss how much debt is too much debt. Personally, I believe you can't have enough. I'm... As long as it's working for you, get the debt.
1: That's definitely one belief. That's, so I, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm glad to know that we have a lot of different opinions on debt at this campfire.
0: At this campfire. Yes. Even if you can't hear the campfire, let's uh, turn the campfire up just a little bit here and that raging campfire (laughs) raging let's move the microphone closer
1: throw throw another log on that fire
0: get your marshmallows out we'll have some s'mores here in a minute with some s'mores numbers here in just a minute but yeah thanks everyone for uh, tuning in and this new year here 2020 welcome everyone so we'll kick it off with a discussion on how much debt is too much debt and i think we want to talk about consumer debt because you can have a lot of business debt uh, real estate debt um, consumer debt so that would be
1: what rex so so we're going to focus this conversation on on you know mom and dad and and husband wife and consumer debt right individuals as far as that goes and so when you think of that brandon just out of curiosity yeah what's the number one rule of thumb that you think of about debt
0: uh uh, the number one rule of thumb is if your credit card is maxed out you can't put any more on it you got to get a new credit card that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that
1: would be strategy
0: 987. <laughs> <laughs> no, is there a percentage of income that you're supposed to have, Go, you know, like, uh, you know, that would be nice because I know when I did mortgages, when you go to ask for a loan, they want to know, hey, what's your debt to income ratio and you need to be below a certain amount or else they won't give you a loan for a home.
1: So we're going to get into that in just a minute. But the the first and probably most important rule of thumb is don't spend more than you make.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's a good idea. That's a
1: good <laughs> that's philosophy to good live idea. by, right? Yeah. And so Brandon over here um, has has looked at a few numbers not that me. that are interesting, not not our Brandon Long, yeah. <clears throat> the host, Mr. But, Smith, but Mr. Smith yeah. over here has has looked at a, a few numbers from the Federal Reserve that might be interesting. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, I I came across this piece and it was I thought extremely interesting. What they did is that the Federal Reserve has been tracking what they call the financial obligations ratio since the 1980s. Well, whose
0: job is this? That sounds thrilling. <laughs> it's,
2: it's <laughs> <laughs> this is Jane Doe's yeah. job that's down in the accounting room with some dark glasses. Okay. Actually tracked by the quarter. But what they do is they take the consumer debt payments, so you know what Americans are paying towards their debt, and then they then they take the consumer's income and they, they create a ratio with that, right? So you take the debt payments, you divide that by income, and you come up with a ratio. And what that ratio has done over time is it's actually kind of ebbed and flowed, and there's a pattern to it. Um, as, as economic cycles progress and develop and, and everybody feels more confident, in the future, people start taking out more debt, right? Like, I was gonna say,
0: it's maybe opposite of what you would think. So in good economies, does the debt raise?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Because people, they get excited, right? They're right. like, heck yeah, my income's gonna grow for the next infinity, you know? And, and I'm gonna go out and, and buy a new car, I'm gonna buy a new motorcycle, whatever it may be, right? And And those debt ratios begin to expand. But then as you see these economic cycles turn to recession, and uh, and and people start looking at their paychecks and they're like, oh, I can't afford that they start to become more conservative and they start paying down debt, um and, and those debt ratios go down. And so what we've seen over time is as as they go up, right, we, we get more debt as, as the economy kinda goes downhill, the debt goes down. But one thing that's been unique about this latest bull run that we've had is as of 2019, those debt ratios are actually down at, at all-time lows, right? They're, they're down.
0: Um, do, th- do we know what cash on hand is? Because I know they, they measure cash too.
1: They, they do measure cash on hand, and I don't have that number right here with yeah. me. But what we've noticed is is leading up to, for example, the 2008 recession, the Great Recession, right, Is is as you led up to that, you started having consumers take on more and more debt right which in hindsight obviously we know about people were getting you know zero income verification loans everything else in 2006 and 7 and and so you saw that debt and then all of a sudden 2008 happens with the great recession and and a lot of people have really reined in their spending and what normally happens is after you know three to five to seven years you start seeing the consumer forget and then they start to to build that debt back up again right this time we haven't seen that. We've actually seen the opposite. Is that
0: because um, millennials are saving, or like what do we, Is there a I, reason that is? Yeah. And so
1: millennials are saving. They're becoming a, a great saver. And so if you look back at history and you look at the Great Depression, back in '29 to '33, and then the second portion of that from '38 to '41, which you, I can barely remember. I, I know you're <laughs> you're just about a glimmer in somebody's eye. <laughs> so yeah. so you know, but when you when you look at that. That generation was an enormous saving generation that mm-hmm. went through. So, you know, we're talking about in this situation, your grandparents and things like that to where they were enormous savers. And, and yet we're seeing that now again with the millennials because of the decade of no return, which mm-hmm. is 2000 to 2010, which is the first time since the Great Depression that we went from an entire decade with a zero or a negative rate of return on the, on the stock markets. And that's created a lot of anxiety against the stock market for the millennials as far as wanting to necessarily invest it. But they are becoming phenomenal savers. And so this ratio is starting to bear that out to where the last three years we've seen a continual decline in the amount of debt payments to their income to where now we're hitting record lows in that ratio.
0: Yeah. So So debts going down is uh, investing... Going up, you said maybe not.
1: So I think saving rates are going up. Um, In investment rates aren't necessarily in lockstep with that, and so they are going up,
2: but not at the same rate. One thing we take from this, because I mean, there's no one statistic that you can use to predict the stock market, Um, but we do know that the U.S. consumer is it produces about 70% of, of our GDP, right? Um, Gross domestic product, right? So that's the revenue of the nation is what the consumers make up. So, I mean, just think about that for a second, right? I think a lot of times we think that all of our money is, you know, we're trading with China or trading with different European countries. Really, most of what we do in America, 70% of that is internal, right? It's it's us trading services. It's us doing and building things for each other. And so the U.S. consumer drives a dramatic portion of our economy. And when we look at the consumer and see that they haven't over leveraged, it gives it gives us some hope, right, going forward that, you know, we that we can keep building, right? It's We're not in some overextended bubble. And, and so I know this is kind of a big macro, you know, a large number thing, but I think it's worth noting.
0: so I hear a lot of complaints coming from my, my millennial friends that, you know, housing, it's hard to buy a house, I can't get into a house. Is that is that because they're, they're, but they're not in debt in other areas. So maybe that's, that's a concern that they just don't want to get in debt over a house.
1: So, so I think it's a combination. One house prices have risen a lot. Yeah. And so part of it is that they, they may not be able to get into the house that they want in the area that they want Hmm. for the dollar that they can afford um, or that they perceive that they can afford. And so we wanted to get into that. We want to get into what is a, um, I I guess a healthy level of debt versus an unhealthy level of debt with the caveat of the, you know, we're against debt for the most part, as far as that goes, that we we believe in people getting to be debt free and working towards being debt free and and saving for their future. And yet we realize that, you know, in order to buy a house, lots of times you have to take on debt or sometimes to buy a car or sometimes to, to go to school. And so we want to talk about healthier ways to do that as opposed to just loading yourself up and then having to file for bankruptcy and, and going down a really negative path.
2: Yeah, we're going to go through a, quite a few good rules of thumb. And everybody likes a good rule of thumb, but they're kind of <laughs> they're the worst sometimes too, right? <laughs> because and I just really want to preface this. Your, your 20 to 30-year-old should have a different ratio than your 50 to 60-year-old right when we're looking especially our the first one we'll look at is debt to income ratios right when you're young you're you're not making as much money right? you're early in your career um, and then your debt payments are higher, right? You've got, you're likely to have more student loans, car payments. You just got a new mortgage, right? And and so, so these ratios shouldn't be, you know, if you're like walking into retirement, you shouldn't be like, yeah, I've maxed out the top end of this good rule of thumb. No, it kind of varies, but it's good to, it's good to have.
1: I, I think the other thing to remember about rules of thumb is that they're not personalized, right? And so make sure that even mm-hmm. though we may, Uh, give you some thoughts as far as a starting point for a rule of thumb, it may or may not be applicable to your own situation. And so, you know, that's why you you use an advisor. That's why you should bounce these numbers off of your financial advisor and and make sure
2: that you're staying financially healthy. That's good. So the first one, debt to income ratio. Um, The way we calculate that is we take your total debt payments, so that's not total amount of debt, but just how much are you paying each month, right? How much, you know, your mortgage payment, your credit card payment, whatever you're paying off, and you divide that by your income. And now there's different, you know, rules of thumb out there. Gross income. We're gonna use your net income. So so that after taxes. After taxes. Yeah. Thank you. So so what you're taking home. So on so your paycheck. we
1: really like to use your net income in regards to when we discuss debt or expenses because it's more conservative stance. Um, And so when we talk about net income, we're talking about your take home paycheck. So not only after taxes, but also after your benefits, after your 401k contribution or your health insurance or anything else that's coming out of your check, we're actually talking about your net income, which is your take home check.
0: Okay. Good idea
2: and on that so if you take if you take those debt payments you divide it by your net income you're going to come up with a ratio or percentage um, what we like to see is about 35 percent or less if, if you can come in and, and pay off all of take care of all your debt payments and still have the remaining 65 percent of your income to to spend on you know utilities gas entertainment things like that you're going to feel more comfortable Um, obviously the lower that ratio is the better, right. And the closer you, you progress towards retirement, you know, eventually your, your ratio is going to be 5% and hopefully zero. Right. But, but we like to see as you're getting into debt, as you're leveraging up to, you know, take advantage of opportunities in life, we'd like to see you keep that within about 35% or less. Um, with that said, I know a lot of mortgage companies will do up to 45%. Um, it's, and that's
0: just your mortgage. That doesn't include anything else.
2: Typically they, they take everything else into oh, everything, account. everything yeah. all together. Okay. okay yeah. that's and good. so they'll give you more house, you know, if you have less credit card or whatever right. the case may be, but 45 it's doable. I mean, people do it, 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 it but they're pretty house poor. Yeah. You're not going to have right? very much fun.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I have personal thoughts on that, but yeah, that's right. It, it It is. It's nice to, at least in my personal situation, um, have, having money after making a house payment it's like we don't we don't we live in a fairly modest home and that's there's times when i'm like man i i really like that this other house you know but i then i remember but i can take my kids to disneyland fairly easily and it's not a big deal right so, it's not a big burden on the yeah, family yeah
1: or or if you have something go wrong at the house right you have a furnace or something then
0: we can get it fixed not right, a big deal right
1: yeah. then it's not
2: not going to ruin your your life or your right. year. So. And that's a good thing to calculate beforehand, right? And so just because <laughs> the yeah. second you look at that bigger house, you're instantly like, oh, I don't know, I kind of like the, the hot tub in the backyard, you know? <laughs> oh, it speaks to me. Yeah, It's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to cut back. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're looking to buy a house, right, take take your, your net income, right, multiply it by 0.35 and that's going to give you a, 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 a monthly amount, right, that you want to come in under. When, with, when you have your mortgage, your taxes, everything else, right, and all your other debt payments, and so that those are some good just rules of thumb, just so you That's don't. That's a s'more number,
0: right there, the 35 percent yeah. so, or less.
2: So I mean, just put that in practical numbers, right?
1: Ten thousand dollars, you're talking about thirty five hundred that that would be on your debt payments. If your take home is ten thousand, if your take home five thousand, then you're looking at seventeen fifty on your debt payments. And so just so our well, listeners can, can kind of put that in a
0: house payment. That's 1750.
2: Absolutely. It doesn't uh, take I mean, what a lot of like? house.
0: What is that? 300.
2: Yeah, probably pretty close.
0: Yeah. Wow. yep.
2: So going right, right into that, actually, we, we wanted to break out home car and student loans and okay. just give some good rules of thumb on those. So the home, um, 30% or less of take home income. Right, so so the last ratio we looked at, we said 35%. That's assuming that you only had five percent of other debt, right? Okay. In addition, um, but e- even if you don't have any debt at any other debt at all, and all you're doing is your home, really, we would suggest not going above that 30%. And and that
1: 30% should make up your your house payment, which is principal and interest, right? Should also include your escrow, which is your um, insurance and taxes as well. And so that 30% number should be a, an all-in number for the house.
0: Okay. So. I got 5% left. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm spending it.
1: <laughs> so so that that was one of the interesting rules of thumb that's out there. And I don't know if, if you're if you familiar with this one or not, but it's it's called a 50-20-30 rule of thumb.
0: Oh, I've heard this.
1: Have you heard this yeah, one? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So, so let's hear, do you remember? No, or? I don't okay. remember it though, yeah. Okay, okay. So, so the 50-20-30 rule is that 50% of your net income um, could be applied toward your fixed expenses. So again, that would be any debt payments, it would be your utilities, it'd be any of those kinds of things. This is more of a
0: budgeting. So
1: this is more of a budgeting thing when you're looking again, taking a step back from just the house, but looking kind of at a bigger picture a little bit for just your family, right? And then 20% would be savings. Now, part of that 20% would be retirement savings and part of it would be saving for, Either a car or, or future, whatever short and intermediate term goals you have, and then the other thirty percent would be your variable expenses, and so what we'd like to, to refer to lovingly as your lifestyle expenses.
0: Daddy needs a new something. Dad, dad pool table. Something. I don't know. Yeah. Game room. Yeah, right. Yeah. band Man cave. Man cave. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But that yeah, that's a great way to live. So so I mean
1: that if we're talking rules of thumb, that's something to as you're doing your budgeting out there. That you should be looking at and seeing so i i would just be curious if any you know those that are listening if you want to respond on the on the through the pines facebook page to brandon and and let us know where you're at as far as those ratios are you at 50 20 30 are you at um 70 10 20 are you at 90 0 10 (laughs) you know where where you at
0: (laughs) well yeah it's it can be it can turn upside down easy absolutely so yeah
2: And if your numbers, if your numbers are out of whack a little bit, that's not, you know, that's not the end of the world. When we do a lot of financial planning, we'll we'll get a snapshot, right? And we'll say, here's where you're at. Mm -hmm. And hopefully over five years, we can bring that into alignment. Because what we'll find is if your debt to income ratio is at 45%, you're, you don't feel like you're winning, right? (laughs) Like, like financially.
0: Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I've got this much debt and I have this much income and the income doesn't look like it's going to change all that much. Um, and when you start attacking debt, and how long is a, is five years a good? Is that a, is that a pretty good turnaround time to attack it, or is like? Because I I get frustrated if I can't get stuff paid off in like a year or two. Like I the numbers I start after two years, I'm like that's so far in the future. I've now lost momentum.
1: It really depends on how aggressive you want to attack it and so i mean i i think it's hard to to take a a five-year strategy towards reducing debt because it gets it gets really frustrating it seems very far away right yeah and so it's hard to keep that momentum up and so if you can get wins along the way by paying a debt off and and focusing on a couple of those higher interest um, loan debts then it then all of a sudden you start getting wins and it feels a lot more like you know i think what happens is
0: i get wins and my spouse gets losses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think she thinks it's a win. It's a win. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a win-win for both of us, I sort guess. Of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It brings I'm a whole new meaning. Just keep replacing one after the other. Yeah.
1: Entire new meaning to win-win. <laughs> so an- another rule of thumb on houses, as long as we're talking about houses, is that, um, is that you shouldn't be spending more than two to three times your gross income on a house. Your annual income. So, for instance, if you're if you're making seventy thousand dollars a year between you and your spouse, then you should be in a house valued somewhere between one hundred and forty to two hundred and ten thousand. If you're at a 100,000, then you should be between 200,000 to 300,000. And when you back into that, that'll kind of back into that 30% number pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something to think about when you're looking at house prices
2: as well. Okay. And, and these are just, there's one thing to consider, right? Because if, yeah. if you're sitting there and you're saying, holy cow, like there's no rent less than a thousand bucks a month, right? And you can find a mortgage for a thousand or, or whatever that may be, right? It might make sense. Um, even though you go into it knowing maybe you're well, over to get sold a, at a
0: house is an asset it, nothing it'll go up over you know what I mean right. like it's gonna that's gonna be the debt everyone's wanna, gonna want to say is a safe investment.
2: yeah and, and we, we believe in, in owning a home we just we just don't want to over leverage right if you get yeah. too deep into it then it's it's just not not any fun. Um, which, which brings us to our next one, which is probably, uh, I can't stand (laughs) (laughs) you you walk into a car dealership, right? And they have got every story, (laughs) you know, like I I remember I was just out of college and and I walk in and this guy's just like, well, you don't want your wife and kids stuck on the side of the road. Do you? I'm like, (laughs) like, no, <laughs> wow,
0: <laughs> for the, he's for the love, the you know, like yeah.
2: that also doesn't mean I need to take out this crazy loan to buy your car. Oh wow. But uh, anyway, that's a little side that's note. A little cutthroat there. I that know, guy. I yeah. know. She's sitting right there. I have to look at her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll come find you. Um, <laughs> um, so with cars, no more than fifteen percent of your net take-home pay. Right. And that, that, that's a number should be all inclusive, right? So if you take, again, getting back to your pay stub, right, you look at what comes into your bank account, you times that number by 0.15 and this is on a monthly basis. So maybe you're paid twice a month or whatever mm-hmm. that may be times that by 0.15. And that's everything you should be paying well, on do your car on this. So i to do the math on All this. right, do, do some math. So okay. that's,
1: that's $150 per thousand.
0: Well, I can't do that math. Okay. Um, so, so your take home, right?
1: Yep, your take home pay,
0: and then times .15. and
1: that should be. I need a nicer car. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so let me let me clarify what that .15 okay. is before you go buy your next, uh, you know, your next. I need a way nicer car. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, I, for those that don't know out there, Brandon loves vans and trailers. <laughs> we're <laughs> and in one so, now. Yeah. yeah, we're in. Well, nope. yeah, so we're out. out by the campfire by our trailer. So so the 15% should include not only your payment but it should also include your insurance, the fuel, maintenance and taxes on the vehicle for the year. Yeah, for the love. Um, I know.
0: Okay. Well, I'm still I'm still probably in the good, but just barely with that. So 15% would be all of your auto All of your
1: auto expenses for the year.
0: Auto expenses for the year. Yep. Well,
1: which includes your payment and and well, I, and I understand that sometimes that's yeah. hard to to get an exact number on, but you should have a fairly good estimate as to how much you're spending on fuel in a month, especially if you're all doing your budgeting like we've talked about in previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And if yeah. not, you should go back and listen to that episode.
0: <laughs> Very good. So, fifteen percent covers your automobile needs,
2: and that's on a monthly basis. Monthly basis. An- another one that's really I I think interesting is is has nothing to do with car payments, the ongoing costs, but just how much car should you have, right? If if and and some some people say twenty percent of your annual income. So an easy number, if you make, if you, your household income, if, if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year, you probably shouldn't have much more than $20,000 worth of car sitting in your garage, right? If you got two cars, right, that would put you at maybe $10,000 worth of car a piece. Um, obviously that, I know that's kind of low, <laughs> right? When Yeah, when I was going to say I'm way over.
0: I think what happened was when you buy used, it, it changes those, my, my payments, monthly payments under, but the value is actually more than.
1: Right. More more than the 20%. More than 20%. Right. Yeah. And and so, so, and, and that can happen. And that's why it's just a rule of thumb, right? Because everybody's, you know, purchasing different, different values of cars. They're purchasing, you know, some deals, sometimes they're buying from a brother-in-law that cut them a, a sweetheart deal that, you know, the double deal to where they charge (laughs) you twice as much. So they get paid, but.
0: (laughs) Whoa. What a brother-in-law do you have?
1: (laughs) So uh, another rule on, on, cars that's out there is is what they call the twenty four fifteen rule. So it's it's essentially twenty percent down on a car so that you have a little bit of, of equity buffer in there. And then no more than a four year loan if you have to take out a loan and then fifteen and then the fifteen percent still of, of not exceeding fifteen percent of your net take home pay. So twenty four fifteen would be the, the rule of thumb on vehicles. Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: The best rule of thumb
0: pay cash pay cash
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and but it yeah. will fundamentally change the way you view your decision if you've got twenty thousand dollars sitting in your hand and you look at that car you're far less likely to buy it that's than a chunk a change yeah, yeah. then yeah. if you're just gonna sign for debt right but at right. this at the same time you're still spending that money you're consuming it right you're buying a car that's going to depreciate at a, a set percentage every year and it's just it's fascinating to me that uh it's not logical, right? But but we react so emotionally. It we should treat that the same. We should approach paying twenty grand cash the same as you know taking out debt. But we don't, right? If we just I don't know. We we feel comfortable. Paying it's because we
0: were born into. As soon as you're 18 and have a job and you can get a credit card or a student loan, it's like what I can have it now.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And and it just. And then, and then, and a car and your parents co-sign and you're like, I got a car. And so it's just a part of who we are growing up in, in our society. And it's like, well, and then you get mad because, you know, people like you guys say you shouldn't do that.
1: Yeah. Sometimes we're the bad guys. You're the bad guys. (laughs) Sometimes.
0: I like it. I like it. Okay. So yeah. These are great numbers.
1: Yeah. (laughs) These are great numbers. Should we do some (laughs) more numbers? More numbers. Okay. Let's do some more numbers. So I've got some more numbers. Which we've been doing lots of numbers, but yeah, we have. Numbers, but yep. these are even s'more. <laughs> <laughs>
0: let's, get, let's get the fire going here. Mm.
2: There we go. All so, right. so in September of 2019, there were, and I thought this number was cool in and of itself: 122.7 million households in the United States.
1: 122 million households. Yeah. So there's about 300, roughly 300, 330 million people in yeah. the United States,
2: but 112 million households. 122 wow. million. Or 122. Yeah. Okay. 122. Wow. Okay. So it's like, you know, three people to a house on average. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So of those, 79.5 million were owners and 43.2 million were renters. So about two-thirds owners and about one-third renters in America. And I don't know that there's anything necessarily to derive from that other than it's just kind of No, actually,
0: that's more um, uh, renters than I thought. Yeah. I thought it would be higher on the ownership. But.
2: I don't think you realize how often people are renting a home. Cause yeah. it, it does happen quite a bit. And and that's one thing that, man, it, it that's hard, right? If you rent for 30 years... Right at the end of thirty years, like you, you people have a don't place to stay. Yeah, people don't calculate. As long as you
1: keep paying, paying rent. As as you, yeah, 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 but calculating
2: right. that into retirement, right? If you just rent your entire life, you've got to figure that you're going to need an extra, you know, fifteen hundred bucks at least a month in retirement for the rest of your life to to generate. Right. That's so, why
0: I say you should buy a van.
2: That is one <laughs> that of the most sound investments. Live in the van. Yeah, that's a great backup plan.
0: In, <laughs> <laughs> Fallout spells. it should have a heater, yeah. you know, <laughs> it should, a should, should. stove. You should be good. Drink, Here we go. Drinking fountain. Yeah, yeah. Buy a van.
1: So, so it's interesting because the you know on the on the news on the media we hear a lot that the millennial generation is is not as interested in buying. A house because they're they don't necessarily want to keep up the yard they don't like to to necessarily maintain all of the utilities and they just kind of want a place to reside and keep a few things but be fairly mobile and yet we've actually seen over the last decade with interest rates being so low we've seen the renter numbers go down Uh which is contrary to what we're we're hearing about in the media so it'll be interesting to see over the next decade depending upon what interest rates do if that continues that trend of, of reducing our, our renter base in the US? Or okay, it, well, here's the or question: if it it again,
0: because interest rates are so low, would you recommend someone refinance on their 3% loan to pay off uh, all, all the rest of their consumer debt, two-car loans, a student loan, or whatever else?
1: So I, I think on refinancing, uh, the first rule of thumb, uh, as opposed to consolidation, so I'll break this into two pieces, right? One, one is just refinancing, but you should be at least 1%. Um, below the current rate if you want to refinance is, is kind of a rule of thumb um, that will put your break even out typically a couple of years
0: so if you're at, i'm at three and a quarter so if, so if i'm at three and a quarter but i take out thirty thousand to pay off debt and i still retain three and a quarter but i knocked out twelve percent ten six percent whatever rates the car people and student loans are charging me
1: so so as long as you maintain so the the issue is, when you refinance, you're gonna restretch that mortgage out for 30 years, yep. right? And now you've stretched out that consumer debt for 30 what, years. What if you
0: go, what if you refi to a 20 or 15?
1: So so that would certainly help, yeah. right? And then if you maintained the same payment that you were making on all of that consumer debt towards this lower interest rate, or, or even structured the payment that you're making, even though it's not required by the bank, so that you're paying that consumer debt over a three year Time frame or five-year time frame, then it would save you a significant amount of interest to so do that.
0: If your outgoing was two thousand a month, including your house payment and car debts and all that other stuff, and you refinance, and the new house payment is two thousand dollars a month or eighteen hundred dollars a month, but you put another two hundred dollars on top of that just to keep it the same to pay it off faster.
1: Right. So, so essentially, yeah. So let me just reword that slightly. So, yeah. if if between your house and all of your other debts, you're paying two thousand. A yeah. month and and now because you refinanced it your payment would have been 1500 because you're refined because you're stretching that out over 30 years now if you continue to pay the 2000 on that so that you're getting that paid off even faster then yes that would make sense Got as it. far as that goes the issue we get is we're emotional beings and typically six months to nine months to a year out all of a sudden our appetite our spending appetite changes and we feel like oh well, heck i can just i got an extra pay 500 minimum. bucks yeah i got an yeah. extra 500 bucks i'm going to yeah. disneyland yeah. right with sasquatch well, absolutely and so i mean yeah. why wouldn't you go to galaxy's edge or whatever their new
2: program is right so or, or even worse people will run up the credit cards again because they're there yeah, right that's, and that's and, bad news. and yeah. it feels like a one-time expense you do it because you have you, what i find is people will do what it takes to make ends meet right and and sometimes when you free up those credit cards all they fill up again so, and and i've come across that time after time where people will literally have robbed every bit of equity out of their home over and over and over again until they get to retirement and they still have like
0: the whole mortgage What how do you keep that discipline how, how do you do that uh, what are some techniques i think what was it somebody somebody suggested you freeze your credit card in the freezer or something and by the time it thaws if it's <laughs> if you still want what it, what it was you were gonna buy that, but, that, must, <laughs> that must have been grandma's advice i don't, I don't remember that sounds like yeah. your grandma's That's a, advice. a common rule of thumb <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but like yeah, how do you stay disciplined on on not going in like because we are we're emotional and things come up good deals come up or something it's like oh my gosh uncle so-and-so's cabin is available if we only had that twenty-five thousand, and if we don't buy it someone else is going to buy it and now you know what i mean like whatever it is these things come up and when we lose our self-discipline how do you stay focused on that on your plan and not getting into more consumer debt
1: so so i think two things help with that a lot one is i think you have to be extremely self-aware you have to be self-aware of what of what your weaknesses are and whether you're going to fall back into that trap And that's really difficult to take an honest look at yourself and, and and a spouse for the two of you and to be on the same page and to be honest with yourselves in regards to that the other piece of that is is accountability and lots of times as a financial advisor we take that accountability role to where as we meet with them every every quarter every six months or every year then we're going through different numbers and and are they on track or is something missed and and all of a sudden You know they're they're back offline and we have to get them back on the right trajectory. But I think those are are two you know key pieces. Obviously, cutting up the cards helps, closing the accounts helps. You know things like that. So
0: Uh, how how we doing on the list here? So
2: so one last piece here: the student loans. Okay. Now the
0: first rule. Don't pay student loan. Oh, wait. <laughs> that is absolutely correct. Don't take a student oh, no, loan. Is that what you said? Oh, I no. thought you said don't How take a student How are you supposed to get loan? a college education? Well, Work.
2: Well, that gets us to the, the second rule. I'll never get through college. Which is, yeah, don't take student loans. But then the third rule, if you need student loans, try not to take more than your first year's salary. Right? So if you're going mm. into business administration and you're expecting your first year salary to be between 40 and 60 thousand dollars then let's first of all try and stay on the lower end of that right let's let's try not to take more than 40 thousand dollars
0: so i'm an art major so So zero student loans
1: yep so when i look at at the average (laughs) artist income (laughs) yeah but
0: you never know because you got some very very wealthy artists out there but um, no, usually, it's usually not first year, not, not first year. Um, yeah, I, well, what's, I think I took about 30 in, in student I am shocked at how long it takes to pay off. Like, cause they put the minimum payments so low. Right. And so you're like, oh, well, I'll just make these minimum payments so I don't get in trouble. But that, yeah, like you make a payment of like 300 bucks and it's like, Two eighty goes to interest or something. and You're like, oh, that was cool. Right on. It's not going down at all. I yeah, t- your yeah. thirty
1: thousand turns into a forty year loan that costs you sixty, seventy, eighty thousand by the time you're done. It's right?
0: it's not good. Yeah.
2: I-, I talked to a guy that uh, had a five thousand dollar student loan and they they uh, strung that out for thirty years.
0: That's what they showed him It's like what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> well, hey, can you write? You can't write student loans off, can you? On your taxes? No. Can you write? You can't write your payments off.
2: Not the not the payments. Not the payments. As far as that goes, I'm I'm not obviously not a CPA. No, and, no, and but not not tax guru. So, yeah. but and and even if the interest, the standard deduction so high that it's, I don't know, not likely. Likely. That's not, have to have a, not a
0: strategy interest. you should consider. <laughs> no. In other words, okay, okay, all right. So student loans, don't get them.
1: Yeah, don't don't get them. But if you do, be be realistic, be conservative when you're estimating the average income, right? And so we were talking to to sasquatch's uncle who happened to be going to dental school Yep. and
0: there's an easy couple hundred thousand right? yeah
1: so they were looking at you know 200 dollars of debt and when he first came to us he said well yeah but the average average dentist out there is making you know six hundred thousand. Mm. and and so when we really pushed him and you know how much is the is the average dentist making their first year okay well that's that's only about you know 250 to 300,000 okay and what's the low end of that average you know instead of the average just give me the low end well the low end is closer to 150 to 200 okay Mm. then that should be kind of your max that, that you're trying to take out on that student loan for if you have to go into debt and, and again the the ideal situation is is scholarships and work through it and and finding additional financial aid but if you have to go into debt for for student loans then try and limit that to to one year of your income and it could because it will still probably take you you know if you ignore their minimum payment suggestion their their 70year plan it'll probably, it probably yeah. will still take you you know four or five six years to get that paid off if you're really dedicated on it yeah I'm on your 22.
0: No, because I graduated way late. So, what year is it? 1920. 20. Well, uh, I think we're past 1920, but let's call it 2020. I'm eight years. I'm eight <laughs> years on my student loans. Like, yeah. easy.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like a blink of an eye. Like a blink of an eye. And it wasn't that much. Like, 30000 Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Don't get them. Yeah, That's it? That, That's that all it? we got? That's all you got? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's like
2: 20 thumbs on there. There's,
0: <laughs> if you would like... Uh, a friendly uh, uh, hello and someone to chat with about your finances. Plan with Baxter. Uh, also, if you are, we were talking about mortgages. Do you know what a mortgage st- is? What what the word mortgage means? This is really cool when I, I found this out. I don't. Okay, mort is death. Gauge is grip. So death grip is the is your mortgage. Death your house grip. Your house death grip.
1: It's got death you grip on you.
0: Really want that over you? you don't uh yeah it's a nice house it's okay
1: don't be house poor
0: don't be house poor um reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams this is through the pines